the Gold Cup hero. Two of the most admirable chasers you could possibly wish to see. Hello and welcome. We are back. It is the Race Hour podcast, of course, brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. It's myself, Dean Ryan. It's been a little while, but I'm delighted to say Dermot Nolan of, uh, of well, Race Hour fame and many other um, platforms. Dermot, how are you? Back. All good, Dean. All good. It's uh, it's great to be back. It's uh, kind of weirdly crept up on me, despite the fact that we had about five months to get ourselves together. <laughs> it's, uh, it has <laughs> it has kind of crept up, but it's uh, no, it's great. Having Cheltenham tomorrow now is just very exciting, isn't it? I guess we, we had to cut. We kind of left it to the last possible moment, Dermot, I feel, considering that Cheltenham is officially uh, back on uh, racing terms from tomorrow. But I know you've been an avid follower of the flat season all, all, uh, all summer, of course. Oh, God, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Nothing I love more than... than uh... And flat racing, it was it was an enjoyable enough season. It, uh, I was away the last few weeks, so kind of looking forward now to just getting back. A man who never stuff. gets... Yeah, no, I get it. I get it. And likewise, I've been fascinated by it all. And uh, I'm sure everyone knows what we're saying here. Uh, but a man, <laughs> who never, a man who never takes a break. And uh, I'm delighted to say he's back on, on the Race Hour podcast. Now, Don, we've had you on a couple of times uh, in recent years. But of course, people might remember going back to the, the days of the Race Hour of Yonder Year when it was Nick Luck, myself, Dermot Nolan, and Don McLean. So, Don, welcome back. <laughs> oh, there were the days. That was a while ago now. Yeah. Oh, it is. It is um, a good few years. Yep. Yeah, I know. Look, they were good, and yeah, it's nice to be back again for a chat. But it's a good time of year, isn't it? Like it's, like we're kind of into the dying embers of the flat season. Still, have the Breeders' Cup to go, obviously, and we have the Vertem Futurity Trophy on Saturday. But <laughs> it's time to start looking back on old National Hunt footage from last year and trying to remember the horses. That you'd noted and trying to remember why you'd noted them as horses who might be worth following this season so now it's uh, it's a great time of year this it is it's like the first tuesday of cheltenham the first <laughs> week proper of the jump season because all your hopes and dreams are alive so it's a thing i use all the time but this is where it feels like it could all still happen and the disappointments are yet to come and hopefully some successes along the way look delighted to have you on uh, don what we're going to do on today's podcast on the race hour is uh, spin through some of the big four divisions, uh, what happened last year, what we think might happen this year. No tipping really here, but some some hopes and dreams, as I uh, alluded to, will be displayed across the champion hurdle, the champion chase, the stayers, and of course, the gold cup. And uh, after that, we will take a short break and then head into a little bit of dark courses, see if we've got any for the season that maybe people have forgotten about, as Don just suggested. Um, you have to go back and, and check the notes and rewatch a bit of racing. But we did find a few, I think, and then we might have a little chat about what's coming up at the weekend across uh, Cheltenham and elsewhere. So why don't we get going? Um, we've got to start with with the horse that the race hour has sponsored for a long, long time now. And of course, that's the wonderful Honeysuckle. Um, I think she's 12 from 12 now. The champion hurdle was another step into the stratosphere that I don't think um, even the biggest supporters like myself and Dermo thought she was capable of going as far as she has. Now, that's to say we didn't think she might win a champion hurdle, but in the style that she did it at Dermo, uh, just how brilliant was she? Ah, God, there's just, there is, there's kind of, you run out of phrases to sum up this horse. She's, she's just quintessentially brilliant. Um, she, it's just how effortlessly she does it. She, she also kind of entertains the masses in that, she, you know, she tends to kind of jump the last quite clear and then kind of seems to nearly let the horses back into it again. But just last season at Leperstown and Cheltenham, she just didn't even do that. You know, like at Leperstown, I remember on our, 
on the preview night, which of course Don and yourself were on as well, and the way David Mullen said when uh, I had said and Mikey Fogarty said that maybe she, she got away from the field, and David Mullins just kind of said, well, it takes some horse to get away from the field from where she went away from, and I don't think we realise how in just in what rude hell she was in because before that she kind of scrambled home enough from uh, from Ronald Pump, and just the way she buried that field at Cheltenham, and the thing is, Dean, is that you look at the market this season and. I mean, Fernie Hollow is going over fences, uh, last I heard. Um, mm-hmm. And then you've got Echoes and Rain. You don't know where you stand with that horse. I mean, she could be very good. And then the rest of the cast are a very, very similar field of horses. You know, I'll probably end up backing Abercadabras a few more times this year because he, <laughs> he kept me going last year, especially at Aintree. But bar that, I mean, she doesn't have a whole lot to beat. I mean, the one, the one quandary that I will add into the mix here is that a few horses seem to it, that that Cheltenham Festival on good ground last year seemed to have left its mark on a few horses. Honeysuckle was nowhere near as good at uh, Punchstown as she was at Cheltenham. Now that's very normal. She still got the job done, but mm. an awful lot of those Gold Cup horses kind of didn't didn't come out afterwards. Monkfish is out for the season. Happy Go Lucky from a handicap, he's out for the season. Uh, put the kettle on, Mister Reappearance, and that's probably completely uh, nothing to do with that. But that's the only worry i'd have is maybe that at that kind of run she had last year might have left its mark but so far she's she's looked like she's the constitution of a of a mountain goat so i'd say she's absolutely fine but it's um that's the only thing in her way i think this season is uh herself and her well-being and she has never given us a reason to doubt that so i hope something like a Ferdy hollow maybe doesn't go over fences and stays over hurdles to make this division more interesting because at the moment all things considered and everything we know um, Honeysucker takes an awful lot of stopping again, doesn't she? She she has to, and uh, you, you did a good job there picking through what might come through um, through to challenge her at some point. Uh, Don, I would say she needed a, a clever ride the year before at Cheltenham, but probably me or you could have ridden her home <laughs> in, in the most recent <laughs> most recent festival success. She she seems to have just improved and improved and improved, and she's seven. So like it's not like we're looking at a nine year old trying to defend a crown it's it's an improving horse yeah no she's german summed a, a lot of it up there dean i'm not sure you or i would definitely not i could have done as good a job as rachel blackmore did well, on you, at least you've ridden a horse <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah i was an also, also ran on both occasions so uh, nothing <laughs> nothing as uh nothing nothing as as good as even threatening the places um but yeah, ah, look, she's she's brilliant. You know, she's flawless. She's twelve for twelve, and I, yeah, I agree with the two of you. I think she's getting better because that kind of little wobble that she had in the Irish Champion Hurdle the last year, so the season before last, when she only just scrambled home in the end, she looked like she was going to go and win easily, and then just seemed to lose concentration for some reason on the run in. That wasn't in evidence again in, in the Hatton's Grace Hurdle on her first run this season. I'd say <clears throat> I don't know, but I'm sure you know. Even though she was sent off a long odds on shot, then. I'm sure Henry had the whole season in mind rather than having all the screws tightened for her first run. And then, like, yeah, the, the, our Irish champion hurdle win, that was a blow-away performance, wasn't it? Like, the way that she quickened from the second-last flight and the distance of ground that she put between herself and her rivals quite quickly, it was quite an astonishing performance. And like, And before then, I was kind of thinking two and a half miles was a trip that she might be vulnerable over two miles, but she has that pace as well the two mile pace she's probably got faster as she's got older and like her last two runs last season before Punchestown, they were probably the two best runs of her life and both of them were over two miles albeit on easy ground or in soft ground on both occasions 
but yeah, look to you know to do what she keeps on doing. It's hard to we've said this often about her and about others until they get beaten. You just don't know how good they are, and we may we may still not have got to the bottom of of Honeysuckle's ability. Like there was a little bit in in, in the Punchestown race on her last run last season, where again she kind of I'd say she kind of steadied into the last and wasn't overly fluent at it. And charge that came at her, and but she, then she picked up again on the run in and went away again. So look, as long as she remains sound and healthy and well, please God she will. She's just a she's just a superstar. She's a, she's a filly that you just want to, or a mare that you just want to go and see racing and see winning. Yep. And by design, Don, when when you get a horse like this in a division, uh, some of the ones that you fancy might step forward from from novice campaigns and and, and move into the realm tend, tend to avoid it. So I think we're going to get that um, a little bit this season with a few of the likely protagonists. Um, I think it's around a seven to four, fifteen to eight. It's a little bit of two to one if you can if you can grab that about honeysuckle. Its well being is all you're concerned yeah. about, and I'm never going to say two to one's value this far away. But um, it's well being, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Like you know, like it's hard to see. Look, it's a long, long way from here to March, as, as we know, and an awful, awful, awful lot of things will happen between now and then. Please God, but it's hard to see where her danger is going to come from. Like the ones that are up high in the market. They're either horses she's beaten before, like the likes of Charge, our Epitant, or horses who are probably going over fences. Fernie Hollow remains to be seen, but it looks like Chasey might be the thing for him and maybe Gallop and Deschamps. Um, he's, he's, yep. there and he's going to probably go chasing as well. I mean, it's hard to know. We don't know, <clears throat> don't know for sure where these horses are going to go, but that's kind of seems to be the vibe at the moment. Bob Ollinger chasing as well, appreciated chasing as well. Epitant, she's beaten. Calixios maybe, but I think he's going chasing as well. And the 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 one you're left with really is Echoes and Rainer. So she's mm. she's the one who could step forward. Another mare who just seems to be a better filly since they've started holding her up and and instead of allowing her bull along in front, she's she she seems to be like she's she's a very free going mare, but she's been good now and she's improving her last couple of runs since she's been held up, but. She still has an awful lot of ground to make up if she's going to get up to the level at which Honeysuckle currently is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, it'd be nice if. Uh, well, no, it won't be nice. But you remember the Bouvard Dare year where maybe fences goes wrong and we might see and appreciate it, or Quilixolos, or um, one of the other novices go. Oh, do you know what? We have to we have to pop back to hurdles here. Maybe something will take a chance, but it would have to be off the back of something going wrong, and that's never. Uh, that's never a good way to go about it. So, um, yeah, honeysuckle. Well, let's just let's just enjoy her, and hopefully, all things go to plan, and uh, the race hour will get another uh, season of mileage out of it. Demo. What we're going to do is um, is talk about um, the champion chase division. Um, Donna, I, I got to kick off with you on this because I think you were keen on put the kettle on uh, earlier on in the season. Until well, what's happened in the champion chase last couple of years? The race has kind of fallen apart. Altior obviously reaching the end of. Um, of a, a, a long and, and a hugely successful career. I mean, if you thought the race fell apart, you know, a little bit this year, it really fell apart the year before, didn't it, with what we ended up with? And that's not to uh, degrade Politologue, but this year's champion chase, um, which, which put the kettle on, came on and won kind of on home territory, although she's obviously trained in Ireland. Um, it probably won't go down as one of the classics, but a successful one for yourself, Don, anyway. Ah, yeah, look, she was very good, Dean. I had a look at that race again this morning in preparation mm. for our chat. And yeah, like what she did was un- unreal, really, because she looked beaten. She came off the rail on the run around the home turn, allowed Shaquan Persua and Paul Tan end up the inside. And he went on. He went on on the run to the last. He went on. He was probably about a length up 
or three parts of a length up on the run-in, uh, just check back on prices. He traded at 1.15 in running, which mm. I thought was long enough. I thought he would, <laughs> I was expecting that he would have been shorter because he looked like he just all time and just timed his run, got to the front, go on now up the hill and, and, and win your race. And he had been up the hill at Chelten- or at Leopardstown before. I know he'd never been to Cheltenham. And yeah, I mean, wh- why did that happen to him? Who knows whether he, he weakened or didn't get there or maybe... The way the the way to maximise his potency is to ride him the way that Paul Tannen rode him at Punchestown. Then I know Punchestown is a completely different track to Cheltenham. It's right-handed for starters, and it's 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 an easier two miles. But he was so good there himself and Alaho trading le- the lead at varying stages in the race. But then he just pulverised his rivals, and that was the performance that many people were expecting from him at Cheltenham. And it looked like he was going to go on and do that, but he just kind of weakened. And <clears throat> the fact that she got back past him and Nubin Egri got past him and deprived him of mm. the runner-up spot even either. Uh, that It just looks like he finished weekly. But sorry, back to put the kettle on, spent all the time talking about the third horse. No, she, <laughs> she's she's brilliant. Like, she's brilliant at Cheltenham. I know the time of the race wasn't great. And as you say, Dean, it, it, it might have been, in champion chase terms, not the strongest renewal ever run. But she's still, the way that she did it, she's four for four on that track at Cheltenham, not only at Cheltenham, but on the old course. She just loves it there and she relishes that hill. And like for Henry de Bromhead to have her in the form that she was in going into that race, it was a phenomenal performance, both from the trainer and the mare. Like she'd been off the track, as a lot of Henry's horses are from Christmas until Cheltenham. So to produce her in that form with the resolution that she has to get back up the hill and under under an Aidan Coleman drive, it was a it was a just a, a, a really, I suppose in terms in champion chase terms, it was more a gritty performance than a, a fantastically um, a fantastic speed performance. But she, like she has all the attributes that you look for that you want on the old course at Cheltenham, and that was half the attraction in her earlier in the season. Dean, whenever she went and yeah. when she won her the the slur chase, but again she had to really battle to beat the Duke de Geneva, and it wasn't the champion chase looking winning performance but you just know how good she is at the track and you know she's the title holder now this year she sure is um and you you talked about Chacun Poursois and I think that mid-race move that the the Susanna Ritchie horse has is the one that that blows horses away and it's very difficult I think when you go into a meeting like that because you said it only traded like 1.15 I mean that's those people that were, were on the hill of this horse won't get up the hill and that's they're, they're the braver ones who, who took that on. And that, that horse just had such a devastating mid-race move. Doesn't quite have the the two mile two stamina that maybe you need to 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 get there. Dermot, I'm going to come to you. Would you forgive Chacon Poursois for what happened last season, and and maybe the class will come out this year? I know you're a big fan of put the kettle on, but we'll we'll focus on that one just for now. Yeah, of course. Um... Yeah, it's hard to know because sometimes you end up getting a better market when uh, people decide that a horse maybe isn't a Cheltenham horse or whatever else. Remember Don Cossack, which he went off a bigger price in that Gold Cup because I think people had, had kind of come to the conclusion that he, he didn't like Cheltenham off the back of a fall and a, a second place mm. in a Ryanair when the trip just, just kind of wasn't long enough for him. So, like, the way that he bounced back so brilliantly, Czech and Persuade, I mean, I had raised, raised doubts throughout the season about how this horse finishes off his races. Uh, check on Persuad. For me, the day that he went to the line best was at Leopardstown, but like he beat Vacker Dudery, who was kicked into touch that day as well, or afterwards, and Notebook as well. So I think it's very hard to get a proper line on him. Um, as good as Min is, um, as far as just 
mm. for Cheltenham because he just he looked for all intents and purposes as Don said like he was just going to come through he's going to win that day and he was out out battled really well by Pote Catalan and by Nube Negra obviously as well and you're just kind of looking on now and obviously completely turned that around with Nube Negra at um, at Pontchastown so he'll you, get a much better price now about him but saying that he does have to go into this season now uh, they'll probably dodge each other for an awful lot of it but you've got Shishkin you've got Energimine you've got a good few horses there now that, uh, that they won't be fearing any of them you know yeah, well, well, let's go there, Don, because the difference this time round, Touchwood, all being well, is that we've got um, two newcomers to it. Sadly, they didn't get the face off uh, properly last year, but Shishkin and Energimine, um, this division could be super competitive now. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, uh, as you say, it's a pity we didn't get the, the battle between them that we were anticipating last season. It, it didn't happen. Mm. Energimine had to miss Cheltenham. Shishkin went and won it impressively for all that the race was set up for him. The fact that Mankind and Captain Guinness, they just went too fast early on. They both wanted to lead and only one of them could and both of them went too fast. Um, that's not to say that Shishkin wouldn't have been as impressive as he was anyway, no matter how the race had been run, but the fast pace suited him, plus two of his big rivals taking each other on. So, um, And then he went and, and was impressive in winning at Aintree, maybe not as impressive as he was at Cheltenham, but... The, to, to be able to go on and win at Aintree or to go on from Cheltenham and win at Punchestown, it just shows that a horse has, has that constitution to be able to do it. But an argument, yeah, he's a very exciting horse. It was, uh, it was, it was probably going to be one of the one of the clashes of the whole meeting and of the whole season last season if the two of them had 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 met because it's it was it was set up for Nicky Henderson versus Willie Mullins, Irish trained horse versus British trained horse, both unbeaten over fences, both superstars and both. Done, both had done everything that they could have been expected to do, both really impressively. So it's a pity it didn't happen. Um, they'll probably avoid each other the whole way to Cheltenham again this season. Yeah. You, you probably wouldn't have taken a view given the betting was as tight as it was at the time um, for them to clash at Cheltenham. But, you know, providing you got the price that you... Um, now, this isn't going to work. I can't <laughs> say you got the price that you wanted because then you'd take back. Um, which, one, which one would you have come down on? I, I hadn't really come down on either, Dean. Look, yeah. I, I was worried. I have to say, I was worried about Energamine going left-handed on better ground, mm-hmm. because all his all his good good runs had been on softer, heavy ground over fences, and he did show an inclination to go to his right on a couple of occasions. I remember at Nace when he beat Captain Guinness. He they actually they went around the outside that day because the ground was so bad. And actually jumping mm. to the right was probably a positive in that context because it took him onto the best or kept him onto the best ground. And then at Leopardstown again when he when he won the the, the, the race at the Dublin Racing Festival, the the Irish Oracle, he was again a wee bit to his right. Look, it, it wasn't anything major and Willie Mullins didn't seem to be uh, at, at all worried about it. But you know Cheltenham, it's a it's not even like Leopardstown where you go straight up the back straight and then turn around and come straight up the home straight. At Cheltenham, you're all the while on the turn, and if you're jumping a little bit to your right at Cheltenham, especially on goodish ground, that it just can be, you can just give away little bits and pieces of ground that can prove to be important when you're, especially when you're taking on a horse like Shishkin. But look, that there may be nothing in that, and he's 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 obviously going to be a year older now. He's got, he'll have more experience under his belt by the time all going well. Please God, he does get to Cheltenham. In, in one piece and all ready to go. So look, it would be it would be a hell of a clash if the two of them were to meet in the champion chase. But like, I'm a massive Energamine fan, but I just have that. I'd, I'd like to maybe see him 
on better. But look, he did it at Punchestown. He was there was good ground at Punch, a goodish ground at Punchestown, and he was really impressive in winning there in beating his stable companion Janadale is right in the mid hundred and fifties. So mm. like he's a he's he's top, top class. He's only had four chases, so he's still there still could be loads more to come from him. And <clears throat> of the pair of them, uh they're both really exciting chasers, but I just think Energamin is is the horse that kind of gets your pulse racing, isn't he? For me anyway. Okay. Yeah, I I'd be of the of the opposite view in that I think Shiskin is the third coming of Nicky Henderson star two milers. But uh Demo, you can you can kind of split the vote here or uh, or, or make it. Yeah, I was a Shishkin fan last year and I'll continue to be probably didn't blow us all away at 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 uh Cheltenham last year, but that that is just just the kind of horse that he is. I think Talk a race. to the Altios about Shiskin and the Yeah, yeah, he just Rogers, kind of but... kicks in when he has to and uh kind of mm blows his rival away i just hope they all get there i mean this division ha- has promised us a few times but like put the kettle is there at 14 to 1 again um there's an awful lot of horses that do need to get to her level she's a very she's she, she gets no respect does she really i mean you know she's an arkell and a champion chase winner and uh, she's 14 to 1 going into the to, to the following season and she's only uh, seven like she's not an old an yeah old like it's it's incredible yeah i mean last season you know like i was keen on her for all the season last year, I think I was one of the, the the few races last year I got right, but she um she had to fight them off about three or four times and then jump jump at the last fence again. She looked like she was going to be swallowed two out. She looked like she was going to be swallowed jump at the last as well, like I just said, and she just kind of kept battling on. It was very similar in the Arkle year before last year as well. She got absolutely no respect for beating that um oh the Sullivan horse uh, Duke, Duke Duke de Ginevra in the floor uh, chase and again she looked completely beaten that day but just her adoration of um of the old course kicked in so at 14 to 1 i just think as an each way bet i i just think she's she's a she's a good price and the beauty is she'll probably remain this price all year uh, because the other horses are a bit more sexier but as don said she's she's still only 17 and i just i can't quite believe that a horse looking to retain it is uh, is that kind of price yeah, that's because of the gloss and the sexiness of those other ones, as you mentioned. You know, I think Shiskin at the minute was around seven or four, uh, and Ejimine five, sixes, Chacun Poursois, if you can go back on that hill again and put the kettle on, as you say, 14. Here's a um, question for, for Dee and, and Dermot. Seven to four Shishkin for the champion chase versus seven to four Honeysuckle for the champion hurdle. Which is the better bet? Oh, Honeysuckle has to be on there. Isn't yeah, she? Yeah, like they're the same price. Massive, by a massive degree, yeah. Yeah. Seven. Um, that's that's right, actually, Don. Yeah, seven to four. But there is a very clear argument, isn't there, that the seven to four is actually a cracking price. Mm. Yeah, because as the season goes on, if Fernie Hollow stays over fences and if Echoes and Rain, like she does turn out to yep. be a good mare, but Honeysuckle might just literally have have no rival all season. It would be typical race out if we get through the ramble of the four divisions and just say everyone just go back honeysuckle. <laughs> just, 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 just put the four favourites <laughs> there and accumulate lads. It's, it's all good. <laughs> yeah. well, I, I think, I think we, we are surmising that Shishkin, for all um, that you know, we hope, turns out to be the third coming, or certainly I do, um, the, the seven to four looks pretty rank. <laughs> seven to four looks absolutely but, rank, yeah. yeah. But, it, but it's there. It's there. Um, and in comparison to honeysuckle, yeah, it does take a bit of explaining. All right, why don't we uh, move on to the stairs head of the vision? Uh, one of my biggest letdowns of the whole of the Cheltenham Festival was the stairs hurdle last year. Anyone who watched our preview night, which the three of us were on, of course, um, I think I went as far as to say that there was a certainty in the race, which you know always comes back to bite you because within about four or five days of recording <laughs> that, uh, it was decided that uh, the Time Hill wouldn't make uh, the contest. Now, uh, thankfully, there was some redemption at Aintree, but. Uh, You'd have to argue that that race perhaps wasn't as tough as what might have been faced 
at the at the Cheltenham Festival. But Time Hill, nevertheless, uh, currently sits as a five to one favourite for the Stayers Division this year. But let's talk about Florin Porter because one that came through the ranks um, last year for a totally shrewd and ultimately um, respected uh, trainer of the highest of the highest order in, in, in Gavin Cromwell and Florin Porter couldn't have done this any more impressively in that stayers done. No, no, he was really, I mean, I want to use the term a revelation, but not if you took literally the form that he showed when he won the Christmas, Christmas herd at Leopardstown. Which you is, had to believe your eyes. Didn't yeah, you? no, and, you and did. I think a, lo- a lot of time when we see a performance, like that, you just go the rest behind with muck. Like. Yeah, you kind of think they underperformed. And like I, <laughs> I backed Fury Road in the Stairs Hurdle last year, even though he had like 10 lengths to find with Florian Porter on their Leopardstown run, yeah. which was kind of bananas in hindsight. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, he was he was brilliant on the day, and that was famously the time when Jonathan Moore, having ridden, I think it was his first Grade One winner at Leopardstown on him, he couldn't he couldn't ride him. He was injured yeah. and tried to and couldn't do it, and recommended Danny Mullins, and Danny Mullins went out and, and did a fantastic job. So yeah, look, he's you know it's it's not easy to make all the running in a stairs hurdle. So for him to go and do it and then win as impressively as he did, like he had it. He had the race in the bag from a fair way out, and he he stayed on really well. As you said, Dean, we were missing Tyne Hill, and Fury Road didn't run his race. He ran for some reason just in, inexplicably poorly. But Sir de Burley, like he's a good, he's got a mark of 160 and well worth it, and probably ran to that mark. Paisley Park as well, while maybe the ground was a bit quicker than he would ideally like. He he ran, seemed to run his race as well. So it's hard to knock the performance. You, you have to, of course, forgive Florian Porter his next run. I punch us down in the stairs hurdle there, but you can, you know, it was just too bad to be true. He tried to mm. do the same thing. He just wasn't the same horse. And obviously he'd had a, he'd had a long run of it. Like, you know, this horse was beaten in a handicap hurdle at Gore Park in October off a mark of 131. So to go on from there and win the stairs hurdle a couple of months later, it's, as you say, Dean, it's some training performance by Gavin Cromwell to get him to make that type of progress. And again, he's only a six year old. So, you know, the, the, we, you can't be say you can't think that he's an old horse and he he's passed it. He won't do it again this year because he still has time on his side. Yeah, absolutely does. Um, and it, do you know what? He would have been the ideal sparring partner for Time Hill because Time Hill, when racing in the, in the Paisley Park matches, just needed something to kind of drag him closer to the finish line. That every time he was traveling, the way he was traveling and. I'm I really looking forward to those two matching up. But there's a couple of flies in the ointment this time round because we saw what Classical Dream did at the back end of the season. There's a, there's a few improvers as well in the likes of Galloping Deschamps. Uh, Demo, you can start on Florin Porter because, you know, that, that um, improvement was just so remarkable and then the performance was devastating. But uh, the Stairs division has a bit of teeth in it as well this year. It does. It does. It's... Um... It looked like it last year too and then he kind of came from... Not from nowhere. I mean, he was right in front of us. He... he He's one of those really annoying horses that was right there in front of you, but I just didn't believe it, and you regret that afterwards. But, um, yeah, Classical Dream, he's very hard to weigh up. We've had a few of these horses that have come from Punchestown Festival, looked absolutely unbelievable. It's very hard to know exactly where where he is. Now, he, he was superb, absolutely brilliant. He blew them out of the water, but I, I'm not quite sure how much I believe that performance. Um, and they knew on the day, didn't they? They knew, some, they smashed There was him. some plunge. And when Patrick Mullins was, was talking afterwards saying that, that he got a few lads in the yard to to persuade Paul to ride the other one. Um, the, uh, <laughs> he he knew well what was what was all there, you know, and um, just kind of who do you persuade him to ride that day again? Uh, Paul Townend Road, Penn Hill or something. I can't remember. Yeah, but um, so he obviously got on to 
a proper one and it's it it is you're kind of watching kind of looking on going that's an unbelievable performance considering how much they smashed him and ronald pump and turd does add a good bit of credence to that form so i'm mm. by by no means absolutely ruling him out but the one that i've kind of taken a small swing on completely accepting that i might lose my money here was just patrick mullins was talking the last day on that racing post show and he just said in passing now it, it, it more than likely was like his dad can kind of think out loud uh, that Gaird de Menil could could end up staying over hurdles this season um if he did end up now that's far from he he wasn't saying that factually it, it was more like a stream of uh of consciousness mm. but Gaird de Menil is 33 to 1 at the moment for the the kind of stairs i mean last season he he improved dramatically for going up the tree and then obviously took on Bob Ollinger and was just blown out of the water but the way everybody was talking about Bob Ollinger going into Cheltenham it was you know very clear we're dealing with um, a horse of the highest caliber there so when you're looking at a horse like like A.R. Demain Neal it's just very very interesting and the other one that I'm going to probably be called absolutely crazy for this one but there's one horse who I know they'll probably keep him over two miles but I'd love to see Abercadabras tried over three miles um, I mm. think the the mad bastard temperament of him would actually play out quite well now they might go too too slow for him and he, he could boil over but uh, Jack Kennedy mentioned it after Aintree. He said he'd love to, to kind of try him over three miles and ride him absolutely dead. Now, it would probably be him and Time Hill beside each other, Dean, uh, for a long part of that race trying to bite each other. But it's, uh, I think the likes of an Abercadabras for that could could just be very intriguing. I'd love to see him. But at the moment, one of the only, I think I've made three bets anti-post because I've, I've kind of gone off anti-post. But uh, Gaer de Manil at 33 to 1, he was one of them, Dean, just in case he does end up staying over, over hurdles. Yep. Okay. Um, Don, I mean, on in the stairs picture, myself and you and Dem has mentioned a few there. Um, Classical Dream is one I didn't get you to opine on, but he, he looks like the uh, market will tell you anyway. He's the closest to time here. And Florian Poor a little bit disregarded around a ten to one shot. But um, what do you make of the stairs? I mean, have you got have you got an early hope? It doesn't have to be a, a selection, but do you have hopes for this division of something stepping up to the mix? Yeah. Well, look, I I I concur with uh Dermot on Gerard de Manil. like he would be interesting he, he did win mm. the the Nathaniel Lacey race at Leopardstown last at the, the Dublin Racing Festival which that's a it's a I know that's only over <clears throat> two miles six but it's a stairs race and it's often won by a horse who goes on to be an Albert Bartlett type of horse now he ran in the the Ballymore instead which obviously Willie Mullins regards him as a you know as pacey enough to run in that he was kicked to touch by Bob Ollinger, but um, we don't know how good Bob Ollinger could be. He, he mm. talk about second comings or third comings even. Um, mm. But yeah, and then over two and a half miles, it was interesting that they ran him in the two and a half mile race at Punchestown and they, and they ran Gallop and the Champ in the three mile race, the novices race. So obviously they regard Gallop and the Champ maybe as more of a stare, but no, it would, it would be interesting if staying over hurdles. I think Gallop and the Champ has gone over fences, but I'm not, I think I read that somewhere. Maybe yep. it's gone over fences. That would be likely. But look, classical dream is intriguing because he's got he's got that back class and the back like he's a supreme novice hurdle winner, um, and then he'd been off the track for so long. So to come and and, and do what he did at Punchestown with 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 the weight of money, as he said, that was behind <laughs> him, um, it wasn't a surprise. And that's you know it's, it's a funny one because if a horse runs well when he's been weak in the market you kind of go right that he's going to come on for that so whatever he did there he's probably going to be better than that next time but if a horse after a long break 
wins well or is impressive having been strong in the market i regard that as a significant positive because he was expected and he went and did what was expected to of, of him after his long break and yeah like he he could go over fences either because remember he was entered in that beginner's chase at leopardstown at the christmas festival and he didn't run because he was lame so there he like and, and i remember even after he won the the supreme novice's hurdle wasn't it between Willie Mullins and Ruby Walsh. I think one of them wanted to go over fences. One of them wanted to stay over hurdles. I'm not sure which, which was which, but I think maybe Ruby wanted to go over fences and Willie wanted to stay over hurdles. Something anyway, one or the other. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah, but so so they they did have chasing in the back of their minds. That said, he's seven now, rising eight. So if you have options for the stairs hurdle outside of him, or sorry, if you have options for the for the the staying novice chases outside of him, like Galloping the Champ, for example, or even Gary Demenil. Then maybe mm. classical dream, it, the sensible thing to do would be to keep him over hurdles, and just let him kick on over instead of learning a new trade at the age of seven going eight. And that's I'm sure he's been schooled over fences, but you know, just he was so good at Punchestown, and he's a supreme novices hurdle winner who stays three miles. It might be like the, you know they're the maybe we say this every year the stairs hurdle division isn't that strong. We kind of, we tend to say that or I tend to think that every year. Yeah, but there just might be a gap there for classical dream and seven rising eight. It's a good age for a stairs hurdle as well. Yeah, it would be. Um, I'd have to agree with that. He, he'd be my one. Con- I'm obviously a massive time Hill fan, but he would be my one concern. Um, and I'd be delighted if, um, if Florin Porter was to run in the race and run exactly like it did uh, the year before, but you'd have to be concerned about classical dream because that back class is there that perhaps trumps uh, a lot of those in the field, unless champ decides to, to, to come back and uh, and go staying hurdling it could you never know this division could take all sorts of different shapes um let's move on to the gold cup um we had obviously a, a crescendo of, of henry de bromhead success at the Cheltenham festival and nothing more remarkable than really what happened in the gold cup um i think don and and demo several times been very keen on manila indo uh, for for a gold cup, oh, Demo, I might start with. Oh, God, yeah, yeah, I know. I'm going to start with you, Demo. I know. I know the kind of wheels <laughs> came off that love affair, um, but yeah. you know, he, he, it was a little bit of a war of attrition between the two. And I think maybe jumping second last, last, I would have thought it would finish the other way around. But it's a hardy beast. He is a hardy beast. Jack Kennedy also uh, really came out of that race with a plum. I thought it was a, a superb ride. And um, whilst Rachel Blackmore rightfully took all the praise from from Cheltenham last season, or at least the line share, as she deserved it, obviously. Uh, Jack Kennedy produced some of the best rides over fences last season that, that are at, uh, at Cheltenham that there was. I mean, his ride on Galvin, his ride on the mare in the Kim Weir, was it? I forget her name now. Um, was just remarkable. Remember, the horse was like... Mount Ida. Yeah. Yeah. Ida yeah. yeah, pretty much completely out the back. And in this ride as well, it was just so... You forget how young he is as well, and but he's... He just handles these things so easily, and it's um, it's just phenomenal. And this horse again, he's eight going on nine. The one concern I'd have though is is that is that just as a rule in betting, Dean, as anyone that listens to the race hour knows by now, I I just tend to, from a betting point of view, disregard the the previous season's um, Gold Cup runners. It's just it's uh, unless I, I know Albin Fodo obviously proved that wrong, um, but Manella know he's young, and I know he didn't have the the hardest of seasons but that that was a very tough gold cup again um i think just how how much those the, the front three kind of left everything else in their wake they had a they had a very hard race and uh that end was brilliant absolutely outstanding 
April Tard was as well, but it would definitely I would be looking at one of the the kind of newer brigade before I'd uh, as a punt this season. Yeah, it was like I you know I referenced it as a bit of a a war of attrition, and it was that done, wasn't it? Those two went as hard as they could possibly have gone. I think. Yeah, like again, I looked at this race this morning as well. Um, yeah, look. <laughs> It's weird the way the season panned out for Manella Indo. Like I backed him in November or October at ten to one, and he ends up nine to one on the day, which is bananas. Yeah. But yeah. he, um, like, he he was always doing it easily. I thought through the Gold Cup, like Aplutar, I thought had a harder race. Strangely, yeah. even though he finished second, like he he didn't he didn't flow like Manella Indo flowed. He got in tight to one or two fences. That was the sixth last or maybe the seventh last down the back straight. Where Manella Indo just like everything was effortless for him. April Tard, Don, he was the same in the Ryanair the previous season yeah, as well. I, he was. I'm not sure if he doesn't quite like Cheltenham, maybe. He, well, you know, he, he did win the, the, I know it was a handicap that he won yeah, back when. Yeah, but, but the Ryanair, he, yeah, he could have won that Ryanair, but again, he was just scratchy around there. Well. I, I don't think he was quite at his best here within the Ryanair. I think Fair he enough. just Fair didn't enough. travel with his usual verve, whereas he did travel in the Gold Cup, but he just was like Manella in those big strapping chaser, just seemed to take all the fences in his stride without really them causing him a moment's thought whereas Aplutard it just seemed to be just I don't know more of an effort for him the whole way around and he I thought he did really well to come up on the outside and Rachel Blackmore again like he he and Album Photo both kind of moved up on the outside at the same time but Rachel Blackmore just squeezed Aplutard in order to keep Album Photo in there and she was the one who moved up on the outside of Manella Indo going around the home turn but you just never really thought Aplutard was going to beat Manella Indo and even going over the last like he kind of he pricked his ears and Aplutard came at him again a little bit, but he was he went on again. And I think if they'd run up around the top of the track and around again, <laughs> Aplutard wouldn't have got any closer to him. <laughs> I thought, you know, maybe strange thing in a Gold Cup. I actually thought Manella Indo won with a little bit in hand. I thought he did it quite quite cosily in the end. You know, for all that, like Jack, he was all obviously Jack Henry was all out and asking for everything. It was a Gold Cup, but I just thought that he was he was very good. He, he, I think he had more in hand over Aplutard than what was the winning margin a length a length and a half um, I thought he had more in hand than that and like I would have been like you Dermot until recently the that the, the you know the Gold Cup runners Gold Cup winners it's very hard to go back and do it again but Albin Photo like he has he's, he's done it and he proved that when he when you win it as a young horse it is possible to go back and win it again and Albin Photo himself ran well on in, in last season's renewals so I if you know I wouldn't be surprised if Manel Endo were to go and do it again. I think oh, he's he's a, he's a starting point. I think he's the right favourite. Like normally, when a, a Gold Cup winner is is automatically put in as favourite for the next year's renewal, and you kind of think, right, that's one we can definitely take on. But I wouldn't be quick to take on Manel Endo. I think he's he's just that you know he loves Cheltenham, big stare, jumps really well, and j- just he did everything so easily in the race. Now maybe it all happened for him. You know, he did get the run of the race just in behind, or maybe he engineered the run of the race for himself because he was so good and able to travel so well and jump so well. So yeah, I, I think um I think you definitely have to consider that he could go and do it again. Yeah, it was what what just I I say I'm still just a bit emotionally um, sick of him, to be honest with you, Don, because I was all over him at Cheltenham the previous year in the RSA, and obviously what happened happened, and then I just couldn't believe after Leprosound that a horse could come back, but it was one of those moments where you have to listen to Henry de Bromhead. He, he was, and you mentioned this, Don, 
at the preview night. Henry knew, didn't he? He just knew going into Cheltenham that Manella Indo was back and he knew that, that the way that they had him. Because even when he spoke about Rachel Blackmore picking um, a Plotard, uh, he was on off the ball, have a, a racing show on a Friday. It's very good. And you could hear the way that Henry de Bromwell was talking. He said, like, I know she had to pick a Plotard on form, but oh, I don't know why I wouldn't have. Um, it's just, it's mad when a trainer just seems to know going into a race, like mm. a, a race like the Gold Cup. He just, he seemed to know that Indo was completely there, absolutely flying, and that I know the horse went off nine to one, but that was a big pri- or that was a short enough price considering the form that Manel Indo was actually carrying into the Gold Cup that year. Like, yeah, yeah. Now it was that was some week for Henry, wasn't it? He had uh-huh. a winner, at least one or two winners every day, including the one two in the Gold Cup and the one two in the Mares Novices Hurdle and. Uh, and then a few weeks yeah, later, the, the one, the one, the one two in the Grand National as well. Yeah, oh, man. crazy stuff. I'm surprised he didn't retire. I mean, you can't, you can't possibly repeat it. You know, that's one of those ones where you hand the reins over to someone else and just go, I think I've shown you what, what you need to do now. Demo, I'm surprised you can say the name Manella Indo because you remember when we were all over Commander and Fleet um, as well at the Cheltenham Festival and Manella Indo went and beat it at what, 50 to 1 that day. Yeah. And then, and, you know, yeah. then the, then no, the he's. And you wouldn't mind, I'd mentioned him as well that, that year at 50 to 1 because he, he ran I remember, yeah. He ran behind, I think it was Alaho, I think, in at Clomel mm-hmm. or something like that. Mm-hmm. And he was, uh, I'd fancied him that day. Yeah, no, he's <laughs> he's been a horse that he's only emotionally hurt me, Dean. But look, thank God, if you're uh, overly emotional in this game, you're going to lose anyway. So if he's uh, if he's a good prize kicking around uh, in March next year uh, and Henry's as keen again, I probably will get involved. Yeah, something probably needs to go wrong though for that to happen. <laughs> yeah, I think he, yeah, he's, he's as short as seven to two in some places. I won't name the offending firm, but my God, word. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, six to one, the best out there. Um, I might mention a couple of um, of other horses that I think everyone was thinking. Well, which horse can come through? Which horse can come through? And Chantry House would have been on top of a lot of people's list, but I think the twelves, fourteens around is super skinny, and and yeah. and uh, there's there's plenty to come. Uh, well, needed to come from Ch- Chantry House to, to step into that round with these big brutes. But um, Champ last year was disappointing and relatively inexplicable. And Envoy Allen was obviously disappointing at Cheltenham, but very explainable. Um, if either of those two would have come forward, 20s and 16s around for them um, might look big on a day in a Gold Cup where the world loves a horse called Champ and everybody loves Envoy Allen. Um, Don, I'll go to you. Yeah, well, first of all, Monkfish is the glaring omission, isn't he? It's a pity. It's, of course, it's a real yeah, shame that he's not shame. in it. Yeah, no, he was the he was the big white hope. Um, but look, Envoalen, what do you what do you, what do you do with Envoalen? It's it's hard to know because, like, he was he's so good. There was, there was that symmetry going going into the Cheltenham race, wasn't there? He, like, he'd won four bumpers, all four under Jamie Codd. He'd won his four hurdle races, all four under David Russell. He won his three chases, all three under Jack Kennedy, and then going into the the novices race, the Marsh Chase with Jack Kennedy again, and then the wheels just came off. So, and then yeah, you can allow him his point to ten run because he just wasn't right. He came back, he, he, he came yep. back wrong, and apparently he's had some kind of a of a procedure in the meantime, and just reportedly he's all good and ready to go again. So, like you know, he was he was. Um, he was such a high-profile horse, and still is a high-profile horse. But was, you know, the, the the he was the other second-coming horse, wasn't he, Dean? He was the horse that Very much so. hadn't been beaten, couldn't be beaten. Went into Cheltenham a four-to-nine shot for his novice's chase, and suddenly now he's been beaten, and he's he's out to what? What is he? Sixteen to one, twenty-one for the Gold Cup. 
Yes, you can sixteens is around like there, it's, and it's you can get big, it. isn't it? It's a it's a big price for a horse if you if you allow him a fall, which you can, and then maybe he was running a bit keenly, and maybe there was a reason for his fall, but he just mm. was in among horses, and he'd, he'd never fallen before, or like he'd been a he'd been a really good jumper up to that point, uh, and then the Punchestown run that kind of maybe made people go, ah, look, maybe he's he's not as good as he was, but you can you can just put a line through that run because he wasn't right, so he's got a fall. And a run when he wasn't right, and suddenly he's 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 completely fallen from grace. So I, you know, it's just going to be very interesting to see what he does this season and how he goes about things. And Chantry House, yeah, I I, I do like him, Dean. Like I thought in the the Cheltenham race, the that 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 Marsh chase in which Envoil and fell, hmm. I thought. <sighs> So he like I I was kind of worried about the trip for him. I thought he might be bet he might need a longer trip. Whereas Fusil Raffles, I thought he was the two and a half. He was kind of the two miler who could get two and a half. Whereas Chantry House was like the three miler who needed a test of stamina over two and a half. And it looked to be going well for Fusil Raffles halfway through the race until Harry Skelton went on on Shan Bleu and and stretched him out down the back straight. And I thought that played into Chantry House's hands because he's a horse who probably did want further than two and a half miles i mean at entry it's hard to know how he would have done if Asparta rome hadn't fallen at the second last fence yeah. i think he would have got him though what did you think yeah no i think i think he i think he'd have won i think he would have got him. yeah yeah i think he would have won so like he's a seven rising eight-year-old he's last season's chase novice chaser he's only had five runs over fences he's got like as well as that win in the marsh chase at Cheltenham, he also has a very good run in, in the Supreme Novices Hurdle. Okay, he was well beaten by Shishkin and Abicadabras, but he had a stereo Falange behind him that day. Like that was a that was a good it was a good Supreme Novices Hurdle, and he ran well in it over two miles, probably a trip short of his best. So, yeah, I I think you have to have him on your radar for a Gold Cup at this stage. Yep, and do you know what I've done there is with with Chantry House, and I think Dan, I mean, you talked about this outside of the podcast realm is that I think we were both looking for a horse that made obvious sense to come through. Both found Chantry House, then found everyone else liked it. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm so I'm so thankful that Don has put us back on the right key. Yeah, because same, what I normally do, yeah, I think we have a podcast. What I normally do there, there. Yeah, yeah. 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 What I normally do there is go, oh, everyone likes this, I've got to go and look a bit deeper. And then I just put myself off. But yeah. damn it. The amount of times, Dean, that the obvious horse, we've gone, oh, that's far too obvious. And then you end up looking afterwards going, oh, fuck it, that was obvious. <laughs> And you have to just accept it. You know, sometimes the obvious one is is the right one. Um, yeah, I can completely see it with him. I thought that the performance in the marsh didn't get enough attention because we were all so shell-shocked at Envial and falling. Um, I would be... I, I've said this to you as well off-air before, Dean, that um, I wonder whether Envial could end up over uh, something like... Uh, uh, Ryanair, but maybe even a champion chase type trip. I mean, it's uh, yeah, it wouldn't have been out of place discussing it in the championship. No, fashion. like it's Henry, it's Henry right? Yeah, so, and I think his, his best performance over hurdles was against Abercadabras over two miles. Um, he was outstanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, because afterwards, obviously, we don't know how good easy work was, but I, I still maintain that 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 day just the the speed that he was able to to maintain over hurdles was actually frightening and i think going from the front they have alaho the owner not that the owner gets too involved in these decisions they're 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 very sporting owners and they're kind of backseat owners as well really and that they kind of let the uh the trainers decide clearly but they have alaho for for ryanair and they have a gold cup horse so i just wonder uh possibly uh but it's very interesting with him because the 
the world is open to him. Yeah, I'm not one of these uh, kind of, there was an awful lot of hipsters in horse racing who were very happy to take him on last season and were, were nearly uh, kind of patting themselves in the back when he fell. He fell, that happens, you know, Don Cossack fell in his novice chase at Cheltenham, plenty of horses have. Um, you really won't, won't rule him out. And he did, uh, he had an overreach, I believe, um, at, at Punchestown, they, they found afterwards. So that's, uh, that's something that obviously has happened. But he'll bounce back now, uh, firmly, uh, Shantry House. But the, the one that I'm, I'm just taking a small chance on, Dina, 50, 50 to 1, 66 to 1, um, fell early enough in the, at, uh, I tell him so it's hard to know, but was steadily backed that day. And there's something about Henry de Bromhead horses when they're backed. Um, and Henry was was very keen on this horse. And I just was reading through a stable tour on Eclat de Rear, who's a 50 to 1 for the Gold Cup. And Henry de Bromhead just said that the plan with this second is to run in the second season chase a race at uh, at Wexford, mimicking what uh, we did with Milano last season. He has a step up to make uh, to get in amongst the best staying chasers but he has more improvement in him and i'd be i'd be very hopeful that he can take a very strong step forward so like henry de bromhead he's always talked up this horse this horse was very good last season beating Ascaria 10 now beating Ascaria 10 is miles off being a gold cup contender so i'm obviously not saying to lash him with anything big but this gold cup in my opinion could end up being an awful lot more open than it looks at the moment, you after Manella Indo, after the kind of front three of the Gold Cup last season, after Shantry House, after Envy Allen, you are reaching then. Uh, you know, there, there's a big gap to put towards everything else. Sam Crow's a shorter price at the moment with some firms than Eclect the Rear. So at 50 to 1, 66 to 1, Eclect the Rear, just with the promise that he showed uh, last season and how quietly fancied he was going into that um, Brown advisory. Um, I just think after Monday at Wexford, we'll probably know a lot more about him. But um, at those odds, Dean, I just couldn't turn it down. Yeah, you can't. And uh, like, where would you get it? We just spun through the gold cup there. 14 to 1 chance that we all like. And a 50 to 1 chance that um, we might know a lot more about in the next week or so. Uh, I enjoyed that, guys. But we're going to have to take a break here on the race hour. Uh, brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. And when we come back, we'll have a look at some dark courses uh, for the season ahead. Uh, likely, they're definitely outside of those divisions, I'd imagine. And uh, we will have a quick chat about what's coming up at the weekend. It's good to be back on The Race Hour and you'll be back with us in just a couple of minutes. You're listening to The Race Hour podcast brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk Check out bookmakers.co.uk each and every day for tips, news and the best odds for horse racing. Looking for a new bookmaker and the best sign-off offers in the industry? You'll find that at bookmakers.co.uk Sponsors of The Race Hour. Hello and welcome back to the second part of uh, well, the returning Race Hour podcast, of course, brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk. Uh, it's myself, Dean Ryan. Uh, Don McLean is here and Dermot Nolan is here. And uh, now after having a nice ramble through uh, the key divisions at the Cheltenham uh, Festival and what went before and what's to come, um, we're going to hopefully find a few pearls um, from the deeps of the, uh, the form book from last year. Dermot, I'm going to start with you. Uh, give us a few dark horses to, that are on your radar for the season ahead, please. Yeah, of course. So the first one is a dark horse, but with the amount I've mentioned it on this podcast, he's, he's probably not all that dark anymore, uh, as far as race our listeners goes. Uh, it's Benson, 
who last season, uh, I remember Paddy slagging me mad one week when I said that if he stays within the wings, he'll win the race. And that's exactly what he did. This horse is crazy, as we know, but he is unbelievably talented. Um, just to give a, a short backstory on him again, his very first first race over uh, hurdles, uh, Dr. Richard Newland threw him into the, to the contenders hurdle against senior horses and he came right. to the he came to the he came to three out um sorry he came to two out like he was going to win that day and as second that he was just about to hit the front he he ran out um last season then they kind of brought him back very slowly he ran in a maiden hurdle at hereford uh, twice um sorry the first one then won a novice hurdle and then they threw him kind of half back into the deep end again and he won brilliantly at sandown after that then he went off favorite um at ascot uh, of 10 pounds higher of 137 and Dean you quite weren't a believer before that run but you messaged me directly afterwards and said you know what he actually should have won that race and uh he kind of pulled himself to the back and then ran through absolutely uh very well but the the bird had flown but that was a really really good race that that he was fourth in and I still believe that he should have won not so sleepy won but he's a horse that's capable of throwing in these brilliant performances Buzz was second he's gone on to win a Cesarewitch on the flat afterwards mm-hmm. and in fifth that uh, that day was a uh, Belfast Banter, who's gone on to win obviously the uh, the county hurdle since, and um, at Aintree as well, a Grade One since. So that's like that's a that is serious form. And uh, Benson, Benson is still rated 137, and he'll come into this season. He, he tend to miss it. He's only six years old. There's ample improvement left in this horse. I hope that they stay over hurdles with him, and um, kind of target that that rating, and then go over fences and do. Do it all over again. Now the one thing is, he's he's a fright to see jumping a hurdle. I can only imagine what he's like jumping a fence. But he's um, when he puts it all together, which he seems to be now. Gavin Sheen gets on with him really well and seems to really know how to click with him. He never puts too much pressure on him. That six and a quarter length beating at Ascot last season, he's worth way more than that. He's he, he's a very good horse, and I think he's okay. uh, he's one to seriously take on uh, or take forward with you. Uh, just be uh, just be aware that you know he's a bit scary jumping the hedges. I know he's a bit a scary joke. jumping everything. Uh, yeah. No, but you, you have to get the joke. But anyway, someone would have got that. I do, I do. Said. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, yeah, come on, damn it. Second Very horse, good. second horse. Yeah. Very good. Uh, Keskon Risk, who I believe has left Joseph oh, yeah. O'Brien's and is now at Willie Mullins's um, with a lot. Uh, apparently, all of the Gretsch horses have left the uh, Joseph O'Brien yard. Uh, Keskon Risk is with Willie Mullins by all accounds. Rated 137. This is a very good, or, sorry, 135. There is 100% a handicap in this horse. He was third to appreciate it last season. Um, there's very decent form there. Kind of seemed to tail off at the end of last season, but he's a very, very decent horse and off 135. I would be shocked if there's not a handicap hurdle in him next season. So that is Keskon Risk, who is now with Willie Mullins. The other one is a six-year-old who is now at end of Bolger and seems to be running between the flags. Uh, was at Loch Ray uh, uh, last week. And it looks like the Fox Hunters could well end up being the plan from which I'm kind of shocked. But it's Field Fidudery, who was, um, I think you'll remember him do, uh, producing a brilliant run behind Envoy Allen last season uh, for yep. Joseph O'Brien. He's now gone to end the Bulgers like, like a, his, uh, his Gretsch housemates. And I just found it very interesting that, that he could end up in a fox hunters uh, six years old he, he's, he's a very talented horse if ender bolger can get his jumping uh going which this horse needs to brush up on uh but for some reason an awful lot of joseph o'brien's horses seem to kind of need to brush up on um there's there's an awful lot there in this horse he's really talented really really talented and if he ends up running in a fox hunters i just think that's that would be an incredible uh bet on the day if 
if they get more together with him. Uh, he's on a rating of 140 as well, so there's there's a normal handicap in this horse as well. Um, the fourth one, I'm nearly done now, guys, lads. Don't worry. Uh, walk away for Henry de Bromhead. Was a brilliant second last season at uh, a punch down a 20 to 1 behind Asterian Falange, who just completely ran away with that race. But this horse is only rated 136. There is definitely a big handicap chase in walk away. He just needs. Again, he just needs to get his act together. But the day that he does, it will all click for him. And then last but not least is uh, Gabby Nacko, who um, mm. who I was all over last season at Cheltenham. I thought he was unlucky, really, that day. Um, he was unseated very early. Punched down all kind of happened a bit too early for him. But Gavin Cromwell's horses seemed to go over the top at that festival. A few of them just kind of ran really poorly. And then afterwards, then, this horse has come out over fences since. He was second to Noble Yates of Emmett Mullins's at Galway. Um, but it would really would surprise me if uh, Gavin Cromwell left a rating of 139 over hurdles and didn't do anything with it. Um, so I would expect that he'll have his, his runs over fences, he'll get his mark, and then there will be a decision made next spring where uh, where where to send Gabby Nacko because a rating of 139 over hurdles for a horse who has formed a ties in with Bob Ollinger and Ashdale Bob and horses like that and Fakira and Escalane. Oh, it's all there, all right? Yeah, yeah, 100%. So a rating of 139 for him over hurdles, Dean, I think as well. is very interesting going forward. Okay, five of the best there from from Dermanon. Did you say the Gretsch horses have left Joseph O'Brien? Gretsch horses, I believe, have left Joseph O'Brien, yes. And they've gone to kind of all over the place Keskon Risk has gone to Willie Mullins I've heard and Fia Duderi has gone to Enda Bulger which is confirmed but um, okay. Keskon okay. Risk I believe has gone to Willie Mullins I've heard from a few different people but I'm not I obviously can't 100% commit to that okay because that affects I mean I've got three and that affects the first one of those which is Fluair which is in, which is in the Gretsch colours and with Joseph O'Brien and of course I only just moved to Joseph O'Brien pre-Cheltenham from the the Gordon Elliott situation last year. Um, but I thought it ran a screamer in the Martin Pipe at Cheltenham behind Langadan and Gallopin de Champs. Um, and then just ran no sort of race at Punchtown, just littered with errors, to be honest. And I think you can draw a line through that. But they definitely had it right for that Martin Pipe. There's going to be a big pot in that horse off 140 if they stay hurdling. But he looks like a ready-made chaser. Um, Joseph nearly got the job done for Gordon uh, um, Cheltenham and the owners, of course. Um, just if you watch the race back, you'll, you'll, you'll know exactly what I mean. But um, could definitely jump a fence. And I think they'll win, they'll win a nice few races with that horse. I'm very interested to see where that goes. The other one people might remember us talking about last year is uh, Zanza. Who of Dean, uh, Floor, sorry, Dean, sorry, I just cut you off there. But Floor is gone to Ender Bulger as well. Okay. Interesting horse then for Enderbolter this year. It will be Fleur. Um, Zanza, who ran into Eldorado Allen and All Mankind, and then um, well, obviously came up short uh, behind them in the early salvos of last season. This is Hobbs's uh, chaser. Um, was then beat a really nice type, the King of May, um, before season went kind of skidding into a bit of a farce. I don't know if anyone remembers Sky Pirate, who actually runs this weekend, uh, winning early on at Cheltenham last season. This horse was running all over it um, and hit the deck couple out. Now it's never good when they don't go and finish the race and, and show you exactly what the form was going to look like. But it turned out to be pretty mustard. Um, they did hold off with Zanza then till the rematch um, in the Grand Annual. And I thought it was run at a very big race actually, but it all went just pear-shaped again, jumped a little bit too big, maybe have been off a little bit too long. Uh, there's plenty of races in Zanza and I'm surprised actually it's not ready for this weekend because uh, they'll want to get going at some point off that mark. So I'm really excited about Zanza. And the third one, um, some people laughed at me, I think, uh, a preview night that we did, but that's not uncommon, <laughs> where I mentioned a Galahad <laughs> quest uh, for Nick Williams is, is a gold cup horse in the making. Now there's also only five. Um, uh, people might remember it winning a grade two 
at Cheltenham. And I think Simon Holt has a leg in uh, Galahad Quest, but I'm really excited about what this horse might do. Finally came good for anyone who did keep the faith with my madness, uh, winning at double figures in a chase at the back end of last season. And uh, I, I do honestly think this this can can reach serious heights. So I'm really looking forward to Galahad Quest coming out uh, for Nick Williams. And uh, they were my three. So now we've left the best till last. Don, you've been very patient. I, I doubt um, that. <laughs> it's um, over to Don McLean. I, I, just on Dermot's walk away, I do like him. Um, been, uh, I've, I've had him on the list for a little while. I thought actually after he ran in the EMS, EMS Copiers race that he could be a Galway plate horse. And I, he was definitely in the Galway plate. I think he maybe he didn't get into it. He was. I backed him down, yeah. Did, did he get into it? He didn't get in, did he? No, no, no. No, he was, uh, he was balloted out. He was balloted out, yeah, yeah. No, I definitely agree with you on him, Jeremy. I think there could be a, like the, the, there could be plenty more to come from him. Um, and just tying in as well with your um, Gabby Nacco, he's one of yours. I thought, I think Magic Days, who finished behind Gabby Nacco in that beginner's chase of Galway, I think she... She could be quite good this season. Um, she just she's she was very free last year. She was she finished and her, her first run back for Henry in a maiden hurdle at Leprechaun. She finished third behind Gary de Mesnil, and that was a race in which she just went too keenly, way too keenly early on, and did well to finish third. Then she went to one at Tonmel, and then she went to Chelsea. She had a break from January to March. She ran in the Mares Novices Hurdle at Cheltenham, and again she was just way too keen and still kept on well enough to finish second behind her stable companion tell me something girl that was the race in which they went fast tell me something girl was one of the few henry de Bromhead horses who was held up and who is or who is held up um <laughs> rachel blackmore was very patient on her and just allowed her make her ground through the race whereas magic days was up there from flagfall just running just doing too much like a cheltenham it's just it's such a negative if you're if you're well look, look it's a negative anywhere but at Cheltenham especially at a festival if you're doing too much in front it can be a massive negative and I thought Magic Days did really really well to keep on as well as she did the she so that was over hurdles obviously her first run over fences was in that beginner's chase at Galway and again she was a bit keen and soft ground at Galway and up the hill over two and a quarter miles and extended two and a quarter it probably wasn't her thing now she did run over two and a half last season um but I think dropping back down to two miles is the thing for her and just allowed run 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 on over fences and we know how the henry de Bromhead horses go over fences they're often they can often improve quite significantly for going over fences and look it's it's, it's probably stretching it a bit to think that she could be an arkle horse but i think she's in that bracket and you know forward racing in an arkle over fences back at Cheltenham where she ran probably that was probably the best run of her life was in the mayor's hurdle even allowing for the fact that she raced keenly uh, I just think that back over look the the mare's chase is over two and a half. So if there was a mare's chase over two miles, we should have a mare's chase over two miles at Cheltenham as well. Should have uh, like it's coming down. It's coming. Four races yeah. as opposed to like <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Why isn't there a mare's chase over two miles? Anyway, um, <laughs> I I just think she she's look if she if she can learn to settle a wee bit better, she could get two and a half. And she did that that uh, that maiden hurdle at Leopardstown was over two and a half and she won a point to point obviously over three so it's not it's not beyond the bounds that she could get further than two miles but i think the way that she races she she's probably best deployed over two miles and allowed go go on allowed allowed go forward henry de Bromma did say as well don um a few weeks ago that that this horse would be uh, twice the horse 
over fences. Like he was really properly excited going into Galway. So obviously she, she didn't produce the best run in Galway, but if he's that excited about a horse jumping a home, he, he does know what a good chaser looks like, doesn't he? He does, yeah. And um yeah, look, she 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 just could improve and like, like just thought of Galway. She just again was a bit keen and up up that hill at Galway over two and a quarter miles on soft ground. It just you know, it just, just stretched her too much, I thought. Um Another one's on the ropes. Who she, he, he's not that dark. He won the Munster National or the yeah Munster National last time, and yep. that was just that was his first win over fences. He raced off a mark of 141. Then the handicapper raised with 152. But I think the, he won with so much in hand. He finished second behind Monkfish last year in a beginners chase. And interesting that Total Recall also won the Munster National. Then went on to win the Ladbrokes Trophy. At Newbury, he, the, he he was off an eighteen pounds higher mark, and I was rated low, much lower going into the Munster National. I think he was in the in the hundred and twenties, but he did go and win the Ladbrokes Trophy off an eighteen pounds higher mark on the ropes. He's got eleven pounds, hundred and fifty two. So if he does go and target the Ladbrokes Trophy, then um, that could be an interesting race for him. And even if he doesn't, I still think he could like any of those. Well, that, that is the, one of the top staying handicap chases at the start of the season. But I think he could be he could move up into greater company as well. He's still a likely raced horse, so um, he's just a, I think he's a talented horse who could make up into you know he could morph into a graded a staying graded chaser. And another is one for the team who could also be a Ladbrokes Trophy horse. And Nick Williams thought his run in the Ultimate Chase at Cheltenham in March was thought he ran better. Than its finishing position, he made a mistake at the water, and he made a mistake at one or both of the ditches down the far side. He lost a good position, and he had to stay on after that to take fifth place. Um, he's a horse; he hasn't won a chase yet. He's had five runs only, though, so he's got the potential to improve again. He's got a mark of 140, which I think he can surpass this season, and he does go very well at Newbury. He finished second behind Next Destination in a Grade Two race, the John, John Franklin Chase, there at the at the Ladbrokes Trophy meeting last season. And I think if he goes for the Ladbrokes Trophy off a mark of 140, he will be very interesting in that. So I love that through. horse, Don. I love that horse. I was all over him, actually, for the old team. And just I remember watching the race. I can see it in my head now. Every time I thought one for the team was about to get into it, just one little error and then get yeah. himself back into it. And I thought, we're back. And then, then we're gone. Then we're back. And uh, no, I, th- I think there's there's definitely more to come from him. Interesting that he hasn't won a, a chase, isn't it? Then, yeah, yeah, it is. But that you know, then that just means that the mark is going to be slightly more favourable. I'd, I'd I'd have that one on my list, and I'd forgotten about him, which is what you do when you stop yeah. uh, when you stop paying attention for a few months. So thank you for bringing uh, one for the team back into my uh, notebook. It's definitely going to stay there. Um, okay. Um, now, if you've got any stamina left and you're not like Shaquan and Porsoir coming up the hill at Cheltenham in, in a champion chase, uh, there is, there is um, a bit of racing this weekend and Cheltenham is back. Demma, did you have any horses you wanted to, to throw? I mean, it's a bit early and the fields don't look the biggest. No, um, I've got three, Dean, yeah. So there's yeah. Um, Buddy Rich at 5-1, to one, first of all, uh, tomorrow um, at Cheltenham in the 2.30. Mm-hmm. Um, I know f- the third time lucky is a very good horse uh, for Dan Skelton. His horses tend to get flying early, but uh, just don't don't like a, a horse to channel them in races like this without experience. And Buddy Rich definitely has plenty of experience coming into this. Gordon Elliott's bringing him over. Um, and the form is actually quite decent. Second to, to Blueberry um, in a chase, second to Dancing on My Own, and then second to Cape Gentleman. They're, they're, they're all good runs. I, I, as listeners will know, I absolutely adore Cape Gentleman. I think he's 
he's a proper horse. Um, so to, to be second to all of them going over to Cheltenham, I just think that's that's all very strong form, real tough form as well, which mm. you need. And I think Buddy Rich at five to one is too big in the two thirty at Cheltenham on Friday, in the um, in the three forty at. Um, I'll tell them tomorrow as well. Um, annual Invictus for Chris Gordon. I just kind of went back through the form on Sunday night. I was just watching a few races. And this horse finished second to the co-favorite Favreur, but has a very decent uh, turnaround now in, in the weights. Uh, there's not that much between these two horses. Um, it was a real kind of battle. Uh, Favreur got the, the better of him last time, but uh, the, the kind of uh, five, six pound swing here uh, definitely will make the absolute world of difference. And annual Invictus should take an awful lot of stopping at five to two in the 340 on Friday at Cheltenham. And then last but not least, um, just following on to the tune of just back the, the bloody Irish horses uh, over in England, uh, Tully Begg <laughs> and Born Patriot uh, face off again in the 405 at Cheltenham. Tully Begg um, on Saturday, sorry, which is the Pretemps trial. Uh, yeah. Tully Begg is the 4-1 to favourite under Jordan Gameford, but Born Patriot uh, didn't quite get the run last time. Um, it's 10-1. There there was bigger round, but he's 10-1 now. Same colours for uh, same colours Belfast Banter uh, for Kevin Sexton and Peter Fay, and I think this horse could take an awful lot of stopping at 10-1. Looks a bit of a, a plan, and is interesting. The uh, The Trainers only horse going over next week, uh, or sorry, this weekend. So the yep. the gamble has already begun, and a born Patriot at five past four on Saturday uh, looks a fairly decent shouting. Yeah, could be ahead of the game there. That yard going well. I quite I was sort of very interested in Danny Kerwin running against your annual Invictus in that small field handicap chase. Um, He's very old starting chasing though, isn't he? Yeah, I mean there isn't there isn't much else now. I mean Danny Kerman's just got to come and deliver. I think they give it another window. He was really sure vexed by he was one. he was really vexed by poor old uh, Harry Durham, who said he was the the next big thing, and he just never quite did anything after that, did he? Well, if he if he can't win that novices limited <laughs> handicap chase, uh, a class three <laughs> yeah. affair. I think we could rule out him be... being the second coming. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. The four to one might tempt me. It might tempt me. Um, and I did uh, well. Obviously, you know Tritonic is back. Um, Alan King keen to. Uh, get this one back on the race course. We all saw how impressive it was before uh, not delivering in the festivals. And I think something was wrong there. Sky Pirate is back, who we also talked about a little bit earlier on, um, given, you know, quite Alexander for what that's going to do this season. But that uh, mark is all blown out the water now. So we'll see what Sky Pirate can do. There was one horse I wanted to flag. I think Redford Road might run well, depending on which entry they pick up. Um, couple Entered in a couple of the amateur races. It's 25 to 1, I think, and 12 to 1, depending where to go. I'll be interested to see uh, how that gets on the season. But it's a little bit too early to strike, Don, or is it? I, I think Sky Pirate might be vulnerable, Dean, in the, yeah. the handicap chase. I just think he's not at his best in his first run. I thought £7 for his run at Cheltenham in the Grand Annual. Look, he was, he was great in winning. He was tough, and we know that he is tough. But I thought £7 was enough, given that he had been progressing the whole way through the season like he started off last season on the mark of, of 132 yeah and he's off to even mark of 159 now look he's merited that type of height through the season but seven pounds for getting home by a short head from Antuka in a grand annual i thought that was a lot and on his first run i think that's i think he might be vulnerable famous last words he'll go and win by seven lengths now but that <laughs> well, was my if start he does he won't be 159 and that'd be <laughs> exactly, something yeah maybe they need to go back to three miles champion chase horse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. um but yeah, I, I just 
that was my starting point in this race. And I thought Balargus is interesting against him at about five to one or thereabouts. Mm-hmm. He'd be probably better off at Sandown. He might be better over two and a half than over two miles. But I think on his first run back, two miles is fine. He does have pace for two miles. He finished second behind King Darjon in a, a two-mile chase at Warwick there last year. And King Darjon went on and progressed markedly from his... That was, he was off a very low mark that day. He was, he's off a mark in the, in the mid-140s now. And I just thought the way that Belargos travelled through his race at Sandown at the, their, their April meeting and kept on to beat Falco Blitz, I thought that was a good performance. He jumped well that day. And it, just the way that he travelled through his race, it, 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 that was over two and a half. But I think um, he does have he does have pace for two miles, especially at Cheltenham. And Niall Houlihan gets on really well with him. He claims five pounds. He's a young horse who could have more to offer this season. He's only six. And I know he got eight pounds for that, but... Up to a mark of 138, I still think that's a, a mark that's within range for him. So, yeah, I think on, on goodish ground as well, that should suit him well. I love the booking. That man, uh, Niall Houlihan, you mentioned, still taking five off, mm. I think. And he rode a treble just uh, in the week gone by. And he picked up some really nice rides um, for the likes of the He's Moors. very good. And, uh, oh, mm. He is very good. Yes. And I think he's a guy you want on side. He's testament uh, as well, isn't he, to uh, slow burners. We don't, uh, like, obviously this is a chat for another day but in ireland we tend to really fly through a young jockey's claim um they don't tend to have all that much time to kind of get their feet nearly you know like donny mcinerney he's a very good young jockey but flew through his claim and he he could struggle now for a few years and um, whilst the likes of niall Houlihan and these lads who end up very very slowly working through their claim they're 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 actually nearly better off long term, aren't they? Yeah, no, that, 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 that's a good point, Jared. And interestingly, Darrow O'Keefe, who flew through his claim, he went through a very quiet period, and now yeah. he's zinging again. He's he's actually leading the Jockeys Championship. So, um, yeah, it can be. He got uh, he got very fortunate, didn't he? That um, Henry really took an interest in him. Um, you know, he, he's yeah. he's kind of thing there. So Darrow's absolute butcher. He's brilliant, but he's exactly another example of it. The amount of young jockeys in Ireland, particularly, that uh, they're all the rage. They're their claim is gone and then you kind of don't don't tend to hear them about uh, David Splam was another one I always thought was excellent and he just seems to be gone now as well it, it's just it's uh I think there there should be better rules I know this is another chat for another day Dean apologies but uh I think there should be some some sort of a rule there to try and forcibly slow slow it down a bit I think uh, look, there's there's lots of problems in racing. We're not going to be able to solve them on this uh, <laughs> on, the, on this podcast. But uh, yeah, no, it's a good point. And okay, so that's Balagas for Nick Gifford and the very talented uh, Niall Houlihan in that three thirty up against what will be the punters' favourite, of course, only returning uh, Cheltenham punters, Sky Pirate. Um, okay, I think we are going to um, wrap up now for well our returning week. It's been a pleasure to have uh, all of you guys. Um, back on the pod Dermo and Don thank you very much and thank you to our listeners for coming back we'll be back every week of course and Dermo the race hour is back on Sunday nights on Twitter the race hour is back on Sunday night Dean yes lovely uh, you'll enjoy that I'm sure and uh, get you do you know you can come and uh, get your questions in with with Dermo there so you've been listening to the race hour brought to you with our friends at bookmakers.co.uk and, uh, and for now uh, we'll leave you alone thanks everyone You've been listening to The Race Hour, brought to you by bookmakers.co.uk, your best bet for tips, news and bookmaker reviews.